This morning I'm speaking on what I've titled the armor of God. The armor of God and please go with me into Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10 to 17. Ephesians 6, 10 to 17 it says, Finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the old armor of God that you may be able to, to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having guarded your waist, with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, there are three elements that we need when it comes to spiritual warfare in our Christian walk with God. And last week, we spoke about two of those elements, which are the strength of God and also the power of his might. Scripture says, be strong in the Lord and in the what? The power of his might. So, there are times when we think we are strong in the Lord. We think that that's all we need. Oh, sometimes you even hear teachings that will tell you, oh, just be strong in the Lord. All you just need is the strength of the Lord. And that, that's it, just leave everything else. <laughs> but that is not enough. That is not all you need. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians ten twelve says that, let he who thinks he stands take heed, lest he does what? Lest he falls. David thought, oh, I'm strong in the Lord. This strength is all I need. <laughs> Until he fell. Samson thought he was strong in the Lord. He was, we know him even for strength. Until he did what? Until he fell. Let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he falls. There is no holiday in the spiritual realm. And let me tell you something about the devil. It would never take defeat. It won't. It would never accept it. You may defeat him today, but he won't accept that that's what has happened. So he would go and find another opportunity for him to strike again. He told Jesus, he left him. The scripture says that he left Jesus after those temptations until for an opportune time. Meaning until he finds another opportunity to do what? To strike. So there is no holiday when it comes to the spiritual realm. We do not take a break when it comes to this. There is no ceasefire when it comes to Christian warfare. There is no break. So the enemy would always want to try you. So no matter the season you're in, no matter the projects you're on, when things are great... When you're celebrating, when you've shared a testimony, 
When everything is going well for you at work and in your business, that is not for you to say, you know what? Let me just fold my hands and watch. No. That's when you actually must stay guarded. No. You stay what? You stay guarded. You stay alert. And awake in the spirit with the strength, the power, and the armor of God. So this morning I'm talking to us about the third element, which is the armor of God. There are two things I want us to note. First of all, it says, with this armor, we are meant to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand against the wiles of the devil. And number two, it also says that we are meant to withstand the evil days. Stand against the devil, one. Two, to withstand the what? The evil days. And then Apostle Paul went ahead to tell us these six armors. Number one is the belt of truth. The belt of what? The belt of truth. Number two is the breastplate of righteousness. The third one are the boots of the gospel of peace. Number four is the shield of faith. Number five is the helmet of salvation. And number six is the sword, which is the word of God. The sword, which is what? Which is the word of God. Now, just before I go any further, I want to highlight a few things. The first thing that that scripture says there, it says, to put on the old hammer of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy. When you stand against something, what you're doing is you're taking a position that is immovable. When you stand, it means you're unshaken. It means you cannot be moved. Just imagine um, a, a heavy wind coming towards you. You're in the middle of the road and a major wind is blowing towards you. When you stand, you're trying to hold your ground so you're not moved by that wind. If the wind is so heavy and you take a step to try to move, you may be what? Blown away. So when you stand, you are immovable, you are unshaken, you are fearless. You're not going back, you're not giving up. You're not dismayed. So the scripture says to stand against the wiles, against the lies, against the deception, against the deceit of the enemy. Stand against it. It would speak things into your mind. You stand by not absorbing the lies of the enemy. You stand. And then the second thing he now says is to take up the all armor that you may withstand the evil days. You may do what? Withstand the evil days. You know, in English language, if you really look at it, stand and withstand, they can mean the same thing in certain instances. But in some other instances, they can actually mean two different things. So withstand something can mean to oppose something. It can mean to exact force. It can mean to push back. It can mean to resist something. So Apostle Paul is saying, there's a place of you standing where nothing moves you. There's also a place of you resisting. The scripture says, James 4, 7, that therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist, right? The devil. And he will do what? 
he would flee. So there is a place of you resisting the devil. There is a place of you opposing the devil. There is a place of you giving him no chance. That's why when you see his hand or you see traces of him in your family, you resist him. You cast him out. You destroy the devil. You see traces of him in your business, in your career. You resist him. You resist him. You don't stay quiet. Don't fold your arms. Oh, and you know, I don't know what's happening. But you know, things are just going there. Just going anyhow. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. And then you're quiet. You, you don't stay quiet. You withstand. In the evil days we are in, you do what? You push back. You oppose him. If you look again into those scriptures, there is a part that says, put on the old armor of God. And there's another one that says, take up the old armor of God. If you look at the six armors, three of them you put on. Three of them, you pick up. You put on the belt of truth. A belt is something you put on, right? It's attached to your body. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You wear it on you to cover your body. Are you with me? You also put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. You wear the shoes. Now, if you look at the other three... It talks about the shield of faith. You pick up a shield. You don't wear a shield. You hold it in your hand to defend you from, you know, from arrows or whatever attack is coming your way. And then it also talks about the helmet of salvation. Now, an helmet, you may think, okay, this is something that you actually wear. But the helmets you see these days are not the... Helmet, you know, the helmet the Roman soldiers wore in those days that Apostle Paul was referring to. Their own helmet is made of iron. It has this feather thing behind it. It has no strap, nothing. It's not attached to the body. So it says you take on the helmet of salvation and you, you take up the helmet of salvation and you also take up the sword. You don't wear a sword. You pick it up. So when Apostle Paul says... Put on the old armor. He mentioned those three you put on. Then he now says, take up the old armor. He mentioned those three things that you take up. So this morning, I will talk to us in the remaining few minutes I have about two of this armor. About two of this armor. But first, before we go there, I want us to go into Isaiah chapter 59 verse 15 to 17. Isaiah 59, 15 to 17. The armor of God can be traced back to the Old Testament. And when you get a chance, I would encourage you to read the entire passage of Isaiah 59. It says, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. <laughs> he saw that there was no man. And wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own harm brought salvation for him. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his hand. 
<laughs> he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. So the children of Israel are transgressed. Once again, they are sinned. <laughs> they had messed up. <laughs> and then they went to God. They asked for forgiveness. You know, someone to forgive, for him to forgive their sins. They were looking for a way out. They wanted to be saved. Now, when the Lord saw that, what the Lord saw was that there was no justice. There was no one that could save them. And the scripture says that this displeased the Lord. The Lord was not happy about that. There was no intercessor for them. Now, this is Isaiah chapter 59. You know, the popular scripture that we know is Isaiah 60 verse 1. We all like, oh, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen. Ah, before that, this was what was happening. <laughs> before the rising and the shining, no one was there to save the people. And then the Lord says, you know what? I will do it with my own righteous hand. The Lord says, I will be the one to do what? I will do it. I would be there. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation. His own arm did what? Brought salvation. The Lord would be your helper. The Lord will be your salvation. In the mighty name of Jesus. His own righteousness, it sustained him. They were saved by God himself. And then the scripture says that for he put on righteousness as a breastplate. And also the helmet of salvation. He put it on. So the first person to use the armor of God was God himself. The armor of God belongs to God and was used first by him. It was used first by who? By him. So what did God now say? I've used this thing. I designed it. I've used it. It works. Now I'm giving it to my children. You also do what? Use it. Put on the old armor of God. Put on the old armor of God. <laughs> there is no need to add anything to this armor. There is no need to invent any other armor anywhere. All that we have, all that we need has been provided by God himself. Put on the old armor. You can't choose one. And leave the order. You can't say, oh, I just need the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, no, no, let me know something. Let me just that one. I just need the sword of the spirit. You know, we like those kind of things. That, that sword is an action type. All this belt, leave it. All this breast. I just need the what? The sword of the spirits. And I don't need anything else. No. For you to be undefeated, you must put on the old armor. For you to have a life of victory, to have a life where you are triumphant in all your ways, you overcome in all your ways, you must put on the old armor of God. Of God. And it's not unlikely that there are times when someone has come to meet you and then they've stated their problem. You've had your problem, maybe a friend of yours. And by the time you're hearing your story, you, 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 you've assessed it. 
And from your assessment, you can just tell, the, the devil is just harassing this person. You could just tell that the enemy is just having a field day. Just harassing this person. But, you know, you can't really tell them about the armor of God. Because they are not even saved. They don't know Christ yet. So you can't tell them about the armor of God. And the reason is because only Christians, only those who are saved can put on the old armor of God. If you're not saved, you can't have access to it. You can't put it on. And that's why we must continue to bring people to salvation. To invite them. If you really love them, you bring them to Christ. You've seen what's happening. I've seen cases like that and I'm like, ah, the devil is just harassing this person, my goodness. The devil is just having, a, just having fun. Tossing you up and down. All they need is the armor of God. All they need is what? Is the armor of God. I had someone one day, they bought a house. And they said they are hearing voices in the house. So they moved out of the house. Went to squat with someone. And they are paying mortgage on the house. So you are paying mortgage for the devil in your house. To have a few days. Who should be where? Who, who should be evicted? Paying mortgage for the devil. You put on the old armor of God. You've had me say this. You do not accommodate what you are meant to evict. You don't. You don't. In your business, you see things not going the way they should go and you're quiet. You have the armor of God. Use it. If God could use it, then you to do what? Use it. So the first armor is the belt of truth. It's what? It's the belt of truth. Again, Ephesians 6 verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth, and having put the breastplate, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Apostle Paul used, like, you know, the things you will find on a Roman soldier. You know, just to illustrate this, but that's not so much the, 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 the focus, you know, but what it means in the spiritual, that's, that's what we're really focusing on. So the first thing is, it says, guard yourself with the, well, some other versions say, guard yourself with, with, um, with the belt of truth. It's, you know, it's something that you use around you when, just think back to the ancient days, all right? Think back to those times, if you've ever watched, you know, any movie about Jesus or those days, you know, what you will see them wear are all these long robes. Are you with me? You'll see them wear this long robe. So they have this thing that's like a belt that they use, okay, to put the cloth together when it's loose. They put it on, and most times when they put it on, they're about to go into action. They're about to be more active when they put on that belt. So, Apostle Paul is saying to guard up our waist with the truth. And it's easy to think that this truth is talking about is our own truth. It's easy to think it's our own transparency. It's easy to think that this truth is our own sincerity. Now, while that is important for us morally as a Christian, that's not the truth that he's talking about here. That's not sufficient over here. 
You cannot go to world with your own truth, but with God's truth. You cannot go to war with your own truth, but with God's truth. John chapter 8 verse 30 to 32. John chapter 8 verse 30 to 32 says, And he spoke these words, or as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed, he says that if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you what? Free. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. So these were Jews that Jesus was talking to. And at the point, they believed in him. Many of them believed in him. Many of them were saved. And then Jesus now says that for you to be free, you must know the truth. Salvation is one thing, but you must now be sanctified by the truth. You must be what? Sanctified by the truth. So pursue the truth. John 17, 17 tells us. John 17, 17 tells us. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is what? Is truth. So we are sanctified. By the truth, which is the word of God. We are saved by grace. We are sanctified by the truth, which is the word of God. It's in knowing the truth that you shall be free from the devil. It's in knowing the truth that you shall be free from his deceit, from his lies, from his confusion. It's in knowing the truth. You're sure about it. You're confident about it. You know, I gave my uh, my uh, my son a haircut last week. And when we finished, he just went. He went to his grandma. He said, Grandma, look, I am handsome. <laughs> he said, Grandma, look, I am what? I am handsome. He didn't ask her, what do you think? He didn't ask her, do you think I'm handsome? He didn't say, look, what do you think of my haircut? Is it good? He said, forget all that. I already know. Look, I am what? I am handsome. That's the truth. He doesn't need anyone else to tell him. He already knows it. I am what? Handsome. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall do what? It shall set you free. It shall set you free. It shall set you free. Freedom, lasting freedom, it's in the truth. Now, while the truth may not align with what is happening around you, the things happening around you do not negate the fact that the truth is the truth. So you may see someone on a hospital bed who is dying and the person tells you, I am healed. I am whole. And you're like, ah, with all this medication, you can even barely move. The person says, I am what? I am healed. I am whole. Because that's the truth. Joel 3.10 tells us that let the weak say, I am strong. Meaning you don't have to be strong before you confess strength. Let the weak say, I am what? I am strong. I am strong. What you see around you 
should not determine what you say. Rather, what has been finished on the cross should determine what you say. Jesus already died for our sins. He already took away sickness and disease. So, the truth may not be what you see, but that should be what you continue to confess until you see it come into manifestation. We must increase our knowledge of the word of God. We must increase our knowledge of the word of God. Acts chapter 20 verse 28 to 32. Acts 20, 28 to 32 says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, this is Apostle Paul speaking, after my departure, savage wolves <laughs> will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, meaning even amongst the body of Christ. Men would rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves, false prophets. <laughs> Therefore, watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are what? Among those who are sanctified. Who are sanctified. You cannot defeat the enemy without the belt of truth. You cannot. You cannot. This is a major crisis. Especially when it comes to the Pentecostals. And the charismatic. This is the major crisis in the church. We value results over the truth. Yes. We value what? Results over the truth. So even if the result comes out of lies, as long as I get the results, that's it. As long as I get my miracle, that's it. I receive my miracle today, today. As long as I do what? Get my results. That's it. That's it. We love all those equations or formulas. Ah, we see someone with a miracle. Ah, what did you do? Ah, well, you know what I mean? I just called Jesus seven times. I call him seven times and then I do this prayer. And then you see you go. You call Jesus seven times. Then you do the prayer the way the person said it, and then you did not get any, you didn't get any answer. And then you see another person. Oh, so what did you do? Ah, oh, well, you know, I, I just called Jesus three and a half times. Jesus, 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 G. <laughs> I just called Jesus three and a half times, and after three and a half times, I, I do this thing, and again, answer. We we always looking for. The formula that works, not the truth in his word. It's the formula, what works, what works, what works. 
So we have a lot of errors, doctrinal errors everywhere. We have formulated or developed errors or doctrines rather based on people's personal experiences, not based on the word anymore. We value results based over the truth, over the truth. Error in doctrine is fatal, not just to individuals, but to the church. Oh, the many things that need to be corrected. Oh my goodness. The many things I need to, I myself just had to work on. Going back into scriptures. So this is what it actually is. I never knew. The belt of truth. No wonder Apostle Paul started with this. Because it's the foundation. It's the foundation. Go with me into Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. <laughs> Our vision here at Model City Church is that we want to be the place where people, number one, grow in their faith. I mean, what are we doing if you're not growing in your faith? If you look at the greatest commission, Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. Teaching them, teaching them to observe, meaning helping them grow. Helping them grow. So you would hear the word. We, you, you would hear it. You would hear it. We have our Bible study money. You would hear it. That scripture again says <laughs> that do not let anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty the seat. You know, I've spoken about this before. All those quotes that you people that you'll be sharing, all those quotes that look and sound so good, they rhyme, but it's just empty. Empty philosophy, it has no trace to the word of God. And then you now build your life. You make it the foundation of your home, of your marriage. You build your life on those empty things. The tradition of men. The basic principles of the world. Not even complex ones, basic principles. So don't let people deceive you with that. Traditions. All around the world, there are different cultures. Different cultures, you know, rich cultures. I am a Yoruba boy from Nigeria. And we have a very rich culture. I like my culture. I'm proud of my culture. I mean, we can be very colorful. We can be loud if you want us to be. We can be quiet if you want us to be. But we prefer to be loud if you want us to, you know. If you really want to experience it, just... Find a Yoruba wedding. Not a Nigerian wedding. You just find a Yoruba wedding somewhere. No, it's okay. Just walk into one. As long as just walk into one, sit down, they will serve you. It's okay. You know, you see it, it's, it's colorful. You know, our clothing, you know, the food, the, 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 the environment, it's, it's energetic. You, know, you will love it. You're full of life. You know, we spray money. 
Different, you make money to other parties. That's another thing. Just dance well. Dance well, and you will not live empty-handed. <laughs> you know? And there are other cultures like that. There are other things, other traditions in different cultures. And, but I've discovered that if we're not careful, there are some things in our culture that will want to adopt into the kingdom culture. And one thing about the kingdom culture is this. It needs no adjustment. It needs no upgrade. It needs no refinement. It needs no modernization. The kingdom culture is perfect. Just the way it is. So we now must be very careful about some things. I remember when, when my wife and I got married. Now, one of the things that's one of the traditions that you know we, we have is that after the wedding, after the wedding, correct me if I'm wrong, the wife will go to the husband's house. And before the wife enters the husband's house, they wash the feet of the wife, right? Some of you may know what I'm saying. The wife doesn't go back to her home. She goes to the husband's house, the family home. So they have some people in the husband's family home, right? That would wash the feet of the wife before she gets into And it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a good tradition. Because if you look at the reason behind it, it's just to wish her well. As you enter your husband's home, you are entering into newness. You know, it's a blessing over her by the wives who are already in the house. You'll be fruitful, this and that. But you know, Apostle Paul says that we are now in evil days. So some of those traditions that have good intentions have become avenues for the enemy to perpetrate evil. Yes. Yes. So, I remember I told my parents, I said, they are not washing our legs. I said, they are not washing our legs. I said, it's okay. I will wash the leg. Is it to wash the leg? I'll wash, I'll wash the whole body. Don't, don't worry. Is it to wash the leg? That's fine. But they are not washing our legs. Do you know what some people are dealing with now? Just because of some tradition somewhere. The people that put together the traditions are no longer there. They are not in your home with you. Seeing the struggles and the issues you are going through. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom is what? It's profitable to direct. I'm not saying they shouldn't wash your leg if you are, that, that's on you, you know. But I'm just saying that we must be careful not to elevate the traditions of men over the culture of the kingdom. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Number two, before I close, oh my. Number two, before we end, is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of what? Of righteousness. Now, when you look at this, the breastplate, it covers the body of a soldier. As a matter of fact, it covers a lot of the vital organs. You know, and one important thing that it covers is the heart. Right? And then it's easy for you to say, you know what, okay, so that means, you know, we must cover our hearts. We must be careful. After all, the scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence. <laughs> for out of it flows the issues of life. However, what Apostle Paul is teaching here 
is more than just covering the heart. Philippians 3 verse 7 to 9 says, Philippians 3 7 to 9 says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith, in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. The breastplate of righteousness is the righteousness of God from God. It's the righteousness of God from God. Apostle Paul says that there is nothing else anyway. He says, I, I, everything is lost for me. Everything, I count them as a loss. So that I may gain this righteousness of Christ. Nothing else matters. Nothing matters. Everything else is worthless in comparison to the righteousness of Christ Jesus. In comparison to that, nothing else does what? Matters. Nothing else matters. Says my righteousness (laughs) cannot stand against the wiles of the enemy. So please, I want to beg you, let go of self-righteousness. It's nothing. It's worthless. Let go of what? Of self-righteousness. It's nothing. You may be saying, you know what? Now that I am saved, I intend to walk my way all the way to the top and be the most moral person and have the highest standard of morality maintain i want to have my own righteousness i want to go off grid and live <laughs> live away from people your righteousness your most holy your most moral righteousness it's a filthy rag before god Yours. It's nothing before God. Psalms 23, 24, verse 3 says, Who may ascend into the hills of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and what? And a pure heart. He who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Look at all those four things and tell me, tell me that you've not defaulted in any one of them. You've had clean hands at all times. You've had a pure heart at all times. It's only in the righteousness of Jesus that we can attain those heels. So when God sees us, God isn't seeing us directly. He's seeing us in his son Jesus. Because the eyes of the Lord are too holy to behold evil. His eyes are too holy to behold sin. 
So the Lord is seeing us in his son. Who? Jesus. Now, that's one part of the breastplate of righteousness, which is where it's been imparted on you. There's another part, which is in Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. And I'm going to close with this. Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So there is a place of you wearing that righteousness. There is a place of that righteousness also now working in you. It is God working in you. Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. That is what would make your ways pleasing unto God. The scripture says that when the ways of a man are pleasing unto God, right? He makes what? His enemies be at peace with him. So you're wearing the breastplate of righteousness. And you are also being worked on in God. He is determining how you move. What you do. What you say. Is putting his own passion in you for his own good pleasure. When God works in you, he ensures that you accomplish his own purpose for your life. The breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Live your life in Jesus. Live your life in who? In Jesus. We don't have what it takes. Our righteousness is nothing. And also surrender. Give him room to work in you. Pursue the truth. Please be very careful. The kind of things you expose yourself to. The kind of sermons you listen to. Some people listen to every pastor that shows up on their timeline. Everything that shows up on their timeline. You take a 30 second clip, a one minute clip, and you just base your entire family's life on that. Without hearing an entire message. So everything these days. Timeline, short clips. Timeline, short clips. No. Carry the word of God. Please, I want you to go back home. Read Ephesians 6. What we just read right now. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Don't go check it. This pastor, what is even saying? Let's even just make sure. Yes, please. Go home and study the word to make yourself what approved. Go and study it. We read Isaiah 9, right? Go, go, go. Isaiah 59. Go back and read it from beginning. Before you just jump into arise and shine. <laughs> study the word to show yourself what approved. Don't let anyone cheat you. Enough of these lies. There are many lies out there. Please be careful. That's what Apostle Paul said. He said, I, 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 I cried about this day and night. 
I kept shouting about this. Please be careful. This has been happening for a while. He will talk about the difference. You know how we must be careful about the false prophets. There are many. There are many. You sit down. Instead of the hour you're spending going through different clips, sit down with the word of God. When you get home, hear this message again. Pick up your notes. Pick up your Bible. This belt of righteousness, of this belt of truth, what, what does it mean? Sanctify yourself. What does this sanctification mean? If you have questions, be ready to come for the Bible study. That's why we have a place for questions and answers. On a Sunday like this, you may not be able to ask questions. I'm not doing Q&A. But we have a place for that. When we are going through these doctrines, the scripture says that the people devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrines. They devoted themselves. They didn't just read it. They sat down with it. They broke it down. They meditated on it. And then they walked in it. Put on the whole armor of God. That's when you can walk out there confidently. That's when you can walk out there not looking for people's opinion. But you already know who you are. I am handsome. <laughs> I am beautiful. <laughs> I am intelligent. I am blessed. I am healed. I am prosperous. I am a, vict I'm a, a victor. Victory. What's that name? What's, how do you say it? I am victorious. I'm triumphant. I'm an overcomer. You can say it confidently. Whenever you see me talk confidently like that, it's because I, I know I continue to walk on the truth. And I allow God to continue to walk in me. So I'm not giving you, um, you know, I'm not trying to hype you. No, 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 no. I know. Ask, ask my wife, ask my family. I, I know. I go out there. I'm confident I'm not alone. The host of heaven, they are with me. Where is your own confidence? Put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And I declare over you in the name of Jesus that the strength of the Lord will rest upon you. You would walk in the power of his might. You will put on the whole armor of God. You will be victorious in all your ways. In the mighty name of Jesus, you will not be defeated this year. You will not fall for the lies of the enemy. You will not be confused. In the mighty name of Jesus, it is well with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.